0: podcast where we bring on remarkable people
1: to tell their stories i'm paul gilman i'm daniel lance and this is pod so one
0: our guest this week is johnny michelinic musician quarterback twin jokester and treasured friend johnny joins us to play a few tunes and to tell us about the first 25 years of his life including the lessons he's learned and the people to whom he gives credit It's a conversation that Paul and I thoroughly enjoyed, and we hope you do too. So here's Johnny. Well, uh, on the banjo there was the sharpest dressed, cleanest cut, music-making, money-raking gentleman you ever did meet, Mr. Johnny McLennig. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Well, uh, I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, I appreciate you being interested enough in what I got to say to uh, make me feel interesting for an hour or so here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to
2: it. Where does your last name come from? My last name is a uh, a Ellis Island bastardization of uh, a Croatian name that would have sounded more like uh Linitz.
1: Okay. And so just the spelling just didn't nail it at Ellis Island?
2: Uh yeah, and I, I the story goes that um my ancestors that came from over there uh didn't know how to how to write uh so they just kind of took the best crack at it that they could. Okay, yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. Humble beginnings.
0: So do you think at some point when you pass it down, people are going to forget how to pronounce it and just say
2: Mickelink? Uh, well, I don't know. It's made it this long. That's true. I guess, well, I don't know, two, three generations.
0: Has anybody ever told you that you play the banjo
1: as good as you look? <laughs> what what, what does that mean I was going to say
2: I don't know how to take that is that an insult or what I
1: I think you should take it as a compliment okay thanks absolutely a compliment thanks yeah
0: for those that can't see it's an audio podcast but Johnny is far out dressing Paul and I
1: yeah uh, Daniel and I are wearing jeans and like uh, whatever we felt like throwing on that was comfortable and uh, Johnny is well dressed I'm just trying
2: to show off
0: yeah you look great dude
1: thanks Um,
2: man it'll make up for my inferior intellect here (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, so you were born brother of a twin on April 5th, 1990? Five. Five, okay. Yes,
2: sir. 25 years young.
0: So I think, it's, I think we should ask Johnny our, uh, I think we should just start just with, with st- our st- question. St- right
2: there? Yeah. Oh, no,
0: fraternal or identical?
2: Fraternal. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: So how do you, do you want to tee it up? No, you got it. Go All on. right, cool. You've heard other podcasts. So would you <laughs> rather uh, join the military or try to be a comedian?
2: That's an interesting question. Uh, I'm going to say military because um, I, when I was younger, my mom uh, sort of lobbied for us to uh, put some applications into officer programs. Naval Academy was what she had in mind. Oh, really? And, uh, yes, sir. And uh, and I like yeah, I love America.
1: Hell yeah, dude. And I'm not that funny. So uh, <laughs> you love America and you're not funny. That's pretty yes, sir. Pretty straightforward answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> uh, navy and it sounds like you'd be a navy man.
2: Uh, I think so, I, and I think that my mom picked that one out specifically because she perceived the danger to be lower uh, in the Navy than other branches. How true that is, I really have no idea.
1: I think it but, depends on what you do in the Navy versus what you do in the Army. or
2: Yeah, well, I'm sure being members. an Army cook on a base is safer than being a Navy SEAL.
1: Guaranteed, yes. So.
0: Yeah. But what's that you say about 10% of all people <laughs> that put on a uniform?
1: Yeah, something like that. I could be off. It's a little bit dated, but yeah, out of everybody that's ever put on a uniform, regardless of service uh, or branch, only 10% actually went to a combat.
2: Is that right? Yeah. No shit.
1: Plus or minus probably 5%. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a pretty wide band of... uh, Yeah, the (laughs) the
1: military is quite the uh, infrastructure. (laughs) (laughs) 5 to 15%. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The point is, it's not like
0: 70%. Got it. Right. And I think that there's a perceived level of risk...
1: That is a little bit overblown, especially the last 18 and a half years, right? Or 19 years. We've been yeah. at war for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So, well, Johnny, go ahead. I was
2: just going to say well, my dad was, well, my dad and granddad, and well, I guess a lot of other family members. Uh, my dad was Army and he was uh, in SIGINT stationed in, in West Berlin during the Cold War. So uh, he never saw combat, but he, I guess, it has uh, maybe some nail biters to tell you about.
1: I bet he's got some cool stories.
2: He does, and uh, a lot of that is um, stuck in him now because he's had a stroke and his, yeah. his communication is not really there anymore. But uh, I, I think he's told sufficient
1: people that we could find it somewhere. I met your dad.
2: You did? Yeah. You did, that's Back right. in he came January,
1: I think, January or February. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's right. a good dude, and I love the fact that he served.
2: Yeah, it was and he loves the fact that you served. Yeah, it's all good. It's a love fest. It's yeah. a damn love fest. Dude, you,
0: you got his uh, uniform up on your wall, too.
2: Yeah, him and granddad. And my granddad was uh, Navy originally and then Air Force.
1: Yeah, nice. Very, very cool. So, so Johnny, you grew up in uh, upstate New York. And you know, upstate for people that are not from New York means basically not New York City.
2: Uh, yes. And really, I think to be more technical, you'd call the area that I grew up in uh, Southern Terra, New York. Okay. So, kind of near the Pennsylvania border, maybe 20 miles or so south of Ithaca.
1: Oh, okay. I know nothing about that part of uh, New York.
2: It's country, man.
1: Lots it's, of farms. Uh,
2: yes, sir. Uh, my house was smack in the middle of a cornfield. Uh, never knew what it was like to have a neighbor until I uh, moved with my mom to uh, Baltimore.
1: You did, uh, you turned 360 out on your front porch or in, the, in your front yard, and all you saw was corn? Uh, yeah, for the most
2: part. Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Uh, across the street, there was a house, but our driveway was, was long enough, and we had enough kind of land in front of the house that it didn't really make too much difference.
1: So when the corn was about ready to be uh, harvested, you couldn't see much. Oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs>
2: it was awesome, man. And, I mean, you could pee in your front yard and everything, and nobody, like, right off the damn porch.
1: It was. I love it. It was ideal. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> so uh, The house we're in now, this is the second one on the street, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to go in my backyard all the time. Now, I have too many neighbors for, for such silly things.
2: You know, and it's funny, I, I was talking to somebody recently about how men will generally, when faced with the choice of going to the bathroom, you know, three steps away or going to, to you know, drop water outside five steps away, we'll go outside. Five steps every time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's to be one with nature, I guess. Yeah. Oh. yeah I, I don't know what the psychology behind that is, but there's something there. There's I, something. I, yeah.
0: I understand it, even <laughs> without knowing why.
1: Yeah. So, how did you spend your time when you were like eight, 10, 12? It's a good question. It was uh there
2: was no neighborhood to go outside and go play with the other kids, so I was mostly with my brother uh and my dad, I guess. You know, he'd take us fishing or go golfing or take golfing lessons or uh a lot of time outside playing in the yard, whacking each other with sticks and shit. And uh when uh, when there were other kids around, you know, it was cuz their moms or my mom would uh bring them over and stuff. So, uh we I mean, we did normal kid stuff. We rode our bikes, we dug around in
1: the dirt and ate worms and whatever. <laughs> whatever it is you do <laughs> did you disappear for like 10-12 hours your parents didn't know where you were
2: uh, no they kept they kept pretty good track of us my mom stayed home so she was uh, with us most of the time and um, made sure we weren't getting up to no good there's some pitfalls to living out in the country you know there's uh, one time when we were maybe five years old or so my brother got lost in the corn mm. uh, so we got the cops on the horn and everything and he, he, was pro- he probably would not going for more than 15 minutes but it was uh, scary it was scary yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, th- you know, it's it's not all, um, you know, the world is not engineered to be safe for a kid, I guess, living uh, in the country, I suppose. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Or anywhere else. Did you play sport- sports growing up? Sure did. Uh, longest running was football. I was a quarterback for around 10 years, I guess, okay. from the time I was eight till the time I was, eight, uh, I guess, maybe 17. I didn't play my last year in high school, uh, got a lot of the uh, concussions and my parents ultimately decided to pull me, but um, football, lacrosse, wrestling, and uh, some dabbling in other things, baseball, soccer, whatever, but
1: those were the big ones. Uh, football quarterback. You're not a tall guy.
2: Hell no, I ain't. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, we did a lot of, uh, when there was passing to be done, I would
1: roll. Ah, that was a okay. big thing. Get away from the tall guys in the yes, line. Yes, Yeah. Okay. That's what right. Is, does that mean just spin around? and get, It means get away from the line so okay. you can You're see. Run out to the side. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can yeah. remind our listeners that Daniel uh, grew up overseas. It's like a pick and roll in basketball.
2: <laughs> it's not like that. No. It's not like that at all.
1: But it's kind of, <laughs> the,
0: the concept is the same kind of, where you get this guy stopping and then you go around in a big semicircle.
1: Well, a pick and roll involves two people. Him, him rolling is just him rolling. There's not a second guy involved. Okay.
0: Right? It's, okay. It's like a, it's a path which you run. It's not necessarily like, you're not actually, because I'm envisioning you spinning around.
2: Uh no, no no. It's 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 a path you run. You just kind of really the easiest way to think about it is running out to the side where there's no lineman standing there.
0: Yeah. So when you can get a throw off.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um what did you enjoy most about playing football, would you say?
2: Uh I think um the leadership aspect. Uh I think I still draw on a lot today and um you know, being around we we i mean we had some unbelievably good coaches for such a small town and uh you know the team was small so everybody got to play and the short guy got to be the quarterback and uh you know the lessons about about life that you take away from a sport like football where it's um there is such uh, emphasis on on the team uh and everybody kind of has their specialized job that they need to do to to make it successful um was uh, to this day absolutely indispensable yeah
1: yeah, I, I played football eight to eighteen, and mm. uh, I, I loved it. I loved playing <coughs> high school football. Uh, sorry for the listeners who can't see what I've drawn here for Daniel, but I've basically drawn most of the offense here. That's Johnny there Johnny. getting the football from the center. Who's that? Oh, right there. That's the guy that throws it between his legs or hikes it right. Yeah, don't
2: be weird about it, Daniel. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I guess a shotgun snap could be considered a throw, but uh, this is a direct snap to the quarterback, and he would roll away from these tall guys here, mm-hmm. these tall O's. Okay. And now he can see down to, downfield to the receivers. The receivers. Yeah.
0: Very cool, yeah. Um, and one, when you were talking about small town, it reminded me of this uh, idea of um, – it, it's cool that you know the short guy can be the quarterback and everybody can have a role and contribute. Uh, with the whole world being opened up on the Internet, you can instantly go and find somebody that's better – at pretty much anything that you've ever tried or ever will try. Yeah. And so I think shrinking the scope to a small to a small area makes it more it just makes it more accessible for somebody to contribute and actually pursue like their self betterment at something instead of just being, you know, looking and saying, This guy's so much better than I'll ever be, so I'm not even gonna try.
1: So when Johnny came over here the first time, y'all y'all were gonna go see uh, bluegrass band uh, uh, yeah, it was called Green Sky Bluegrass? Yeah, Green Sky Bluegrass. No, it was so, Sideline, wasn't it? It was Sideline. Oh, was Sideline. Yeah. Yeah, and so my son and I were throwing uh, football in the dri- driveway, and I threw kind of a duck, and Johnny's first words to me were, nice talk. <laughs> and now I understand it. He played high school football. There's a lot of smack talking that happens on a, on a football team, especially when it's 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. Mm.
2: And, I, and for the record, I wasn't a big smack talker unless it was with
1: uh, my, Amicably. I was uh, a massive smack talker, but oh, yeah. you're that's a guest. We're not talking about me. So but, got, wait, wait, wait.
2: but what position did you play? I played quarterback. Uh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Is that true? Yes. Wow. So that's why you're talking shit about me being
1: short. Roll, I didn't have to. roll out to see the, the receivers.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you were you were just stewing all that whole time about me making fun of your throw.
1: No, no, not stewing <sighs> at all. I just it, it, it did strike me. Like normally I'll banter, but I'll I'll wait five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you also uh, mentioned
0: something about him not being good enough to get into the marines or something
1: yeah <laughs> yeah right and that was like in the first minute of the yeah half. you gotta be good, good to get to the marines i i i think so you have to be uh, somewhat tough. i don't think it's easy it's, oh i said I, that yeah there are not many of them oh
2: the few of the proud right so yeah no like. okay I, I i know what you're saying now <laughs> yeah that that was uh, i think daniel actually put me up to that though I, I primed,
0: Johnny. I was like, you got to come out the gate talking shit to <laughs> Paul. There is no other way. Yeah, but we're different now, too. That was uh, five months ago. That's true. I had a very much more simplified uh, view or perception of you. Yes. Uh, I think I'm a I'm a giant gorilla. I I've guess. introduced more nuance.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I have some nuance, more than you, maybe you thought. But anyway, Johnny, uh, you didn't get to play your senior year. Yes, sir. And you said it was your parents' decision, which makes sense, right? You're a 17-year-old uh 17-year-olds probably shouldn't make that decision, but it had to be a bummer.
2: It was a huge bummer, yeah. It,
1: yeah. Was, it was a huge disappointment. So how many concussions did you have, at uh, least that you know uh, of?
2: That I know of, I, I guess, uh, I, I'm in a ballpark and say it was probably a ham, maybe five or six. It's a lot. It's enough, yeah, n- enough to be worried about. To, um, it was uh, no more football and, and quote-unquote, careful lacrosse. Who was um,
0: the primary force behind um, stopping you? Was it your mom or your dad?
2: Uh, I'd, I'd say that they were both pretty concerned. I, I think my mom, maybe. Okay. For the most part. But my, my coach was very disappointed and uh, actually called my parents and called me uh,
1: separately to talk about it. <coughs> but uh, they, they held the line. Wow. As they should. I mean, what we know today, concussions, especially repeated concussions in a short period of time, is not good for your long-term mental health or your yeah. physical health.
2: Yeah, and playing, um, you know, essentially back-to-back football to lacrosse uh, was, you know, there's, I guess, just not a lot of time for, you know, in high school it's like you can feel like you can just do whatever the hell you want, but there's not a lot of time for your noggin to recover in that time, I guess.
1: Yeah, back when I played back in the 80s, it was rub some dirt on it kind of thing. We didn't have a clue. I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that was a time, that was an interesting time because we were kind of just starting to find out about all the, like the CTE and everything, and uh, people were starting to act weird getting older uh, after all this injury so
0: yeah I can see I can see how that could be a really especially hard decision for your parents because uh, it's also the last year that you'd play football in a meaningful way unless you'd go and play in college but for a lot of people football ends in high school and so <coughs> to look at the relatively new research and then make that call and hold the line against the coach it's you know ballsy moves
2: yeah yeah my mom, I mean but my mom was you know my mom's Italian uh, and grew up to a New York Italian family and uh never had any qualms about barging into the school to talk to whoever she wanted to talk to about any subject and uh she got her way 99% of the time
1: yeah, I am my mother-in-law's full Italian uh-huh. from Jersey. Yeah, I know. What you're oh God, about. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I love my mother-in-law just, and her family.
2: Uh, I'm just kidding because if she listened to this, I want her to know that I, uh, you know,
1: I'm sure she's a fine she, lady. <laughs> she, she's not. She's not listening to this. Okay, I good. Guarantee you. All right. All right. <laughs> oh man. Are, so hold on. So football. You're not a giant guy, but you're athletic, clearly. Um, uh,
2: or, or unclearly.
1: I, I, I go with clearly. All right. Uh, then you, in the winter, you, did, you wrestled. Yes, sir. Uh, what weight class were you? I was, uh, in, when I wrestled in high school, I was 140. 140, and did you have to lose a lot of weight to get to 140? I probably lost maybe eight pounds or so, not a whole lot. So were you doing crazy things like literally just drinking water, chewing bubble gum, but not swallowing saliva while you chewed bubble gum? That kind yeah, of stuff? sure, sure. I mean...
2: You know, uh, the big one was uh, I had a buddy who his family was pretty into it. So uh, over at their place, they had a pellet stove and in front of the pellet stove, they put a treadmill and uh, you just get you get bagged up, put on a couple of uh, trash bags uh, and get in front of that pellet stove and run your ass in the ground. So uh, the
0: name of the game is to just dehydrate yourself to the point of eight eight or nine pounds of water weight. Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. yeah, Yeah. yeah. Which really, I mean, compared to some of the stuff that the really high level guys do is not bad at all. And I was pretty, you know, um, uh, I struggle to put on weight even when I want to. So I was pretty lean, and especially in high school. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of weight for me to lose.
0: And then uh, how much, how long before the match is the weigh-in?
2: Uh, I mean, most cases it's in the morning.
0: Oh, so you're dehydrated the same day. And then you have to rehydrate and get, get on the match the same day?
2: Yeah, yep. Oof man it's i mean but like i said uh, i wasn't losing a whole ton of is this mine yeah that's yours i wasn't losing a whole ton of of water weight you know just enough to get me down there so i wasn't you know in any kind of uh i didn't have any health concerns or anything
0: so wrestling's like a very individualized sport it's you know you get on the mat and it's you one other guy and it's just raw physical who can outdo the other uh what kind of stuff did you learn from that um sort of sport
2: I know I said I talked big about football, but wrestling, uh, I think, is even more important to me in the way that I think about things. Uh, Wrestling was, first of all, dude, you're pretty much naked. You got yeah. your dude.
1: I mean, singlets are revealing. Yeah,
2: they're revealing. Yeah. It leaves little to the imagination. You got your moose knuckle <laughs> on full, full display. Everybody knows which way you lean. You know, and uh, you got to get out there in front and it's, of.
1: It's sanctioned by the school, right? Right, and and the uh, conceivably like every adult <laughs> it, that knows you, and you're out there basically. Naked. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and not to mention all the girls from school <laughs> who t- turn up to the meet. So, anyhow, uh, wrestling. Was you kind of develop this mentality of, um, you know, nobody can do it for you. And if you don't decide that you're going to make something happen, then it ain't going to happen. And uh, I draw on that. I I draw on that at work all the time. Uh, You know, nobody's going to do my job for me. So I have to just decide that it's going to get done somehow. Uh, And, you know, the, the, the other half of that is that when you're on the mat standing across from somebody who's your same size, pretty much your same body composition, uh, you know, there are, uh, everybody's a wrestler there, especially when you get to high school and everybody's uh, aggressive and strong and, and, you know, generally knows how to wrestle. Uh, so you kind of, you meet that resistance and the, the word I keep going back to is decide. You just have to decide that you're going to impose your will
1: uh, and whatever he has to say about it is, you know, just doesn't matter. Yeah, bouncing from football to wrestling to lacrosse, mm-hmm. it's you're learning a ton more than somebody who just does individual sports or just does team sports.
2: Oh, agreed, for sure, yeah. for sure. Because uh, I mean, football is especially football is so important to be able to um, work with other people without, um, you know, like nobody likes somebody on the football team who's got an attitude or who's like blaming other people. Or you know, you you learn to take your place in the line and do your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the wrestling, like I said, you you. Uh, It's, I think, more grit than anything you get from wrestling.
0: So are sports something that were kind of important in your formative years uh, and that you're just using the lessons from here on out, or are you uh, trying to pursue sport in any way currently or throughout the rest of your life? Uh,
2: Sports now, for me, are more recreational than anything. Uh, uh, Here's a hot take. Uh, Daniel and I do jiu-jitsu, or did jiu-jitsu together. Uh, So, you know, hopefully someday I'll not be a white belt, but... uh, yeah you know that these i guess self defense and recreational aspects are the only pursuit I have with sports now
1: did you guys i don't know
2: if this is the right term or not spar? <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah sure yeah did who does Johnny up? was
0: much better than me okay this
2: this was a while ago though, and daniel's uh been spending a lot more time on the mass than me I, so I'm kind of afraid to get back in there with him now to be honest, I don't want to tarnish know. my reputation
0: i still i think I, I'm still up against that hold the side portion of it. I think I'm a very <laughs> passive uh, person on the mat. And if somebody f- falls into a submission, I take it, but, uh, I still struggle to like, you know, be w- sparring with somebody and to, uh, impose my will.
2: Cause you're a good guy, dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Or does that mean you're naturally better at countering somebody's att- that, attack? Or what,
0: it, what it's going to evolve into if I keep going and I keep showing up to the mats is that, yeah, I'll be good at, uh, sort of a, come come and get it and uh counter style rather than uh like a bulldozing brute strength i'm gonna kick your ass style which i think is more like johnny's style not to say that there's no style or no uh you know grace to what to oh, there is do no it, grace but... there's no
2: <laughs> grace <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea what i'm doing it's that you, you nailed it well no. how different is jujitsu than uh wrestling uh extraordinarily d- i'm well I shouldn't say extraordinarily different because when you wrestle, you know how to grapple now and you know how to not let somebody ragdoll you in general. uh, You learn how to be aggressive and, um, you know, there's a lot of carryover, sure. But uh, the big thing is getting used to laying on your back. Uh, Obviously, in folk style wrestling that you do in middle school or high school, whatever you, uh, you know, your back is the worst place to be. That's how you lose. Uh, Whereas in jujitsu, being on, well, giving up your back and being on your stomach is the worst place to be. Mm. Um, so there was an adjustment there, but I mean, by and large, like even when you sign up for a tournament, they'll, there's, um, sort of skill brackets that you'll put, they'll put you into, uh, you know, the, maybe the guy who's only been doing jujitsu for six months goes into the novice category. If you've been on for two years or whatever, you go into the intermediate. So, um, and a lot of times when you're signing up, they'll say, if you've ever wrestled in your life, even for a year, you have to do at least X, Y, Z category, be Mm. it intermediate or beginner or whatever. Oh, gotcha. Yeah,
0: I remember there was a brand new white belt at the gym, and and he and I sparred. I only had like six months of training, but uh, he and I sparred. He didn't really know what he was doing, but he just pinned me. He just like you know manhandled me and put me on my back and kept me there. And he ragdolled you. It sounds like so. Almost. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and but in jiu-jitsu, you have to get the person to tap out to kind of end the sparring, and just putting me on my back, I could still breathe. I was still fine. Uh and he hadn't been trained in any other way. But just the raw body mechanics and the way in which you can manipulate your body and others' bodies is something that wrestling I from experience, uh being wrestled, not wrestling myself, I can see that it's, you know, pretty fundamental.
2: I'd agree with that assessment. Yeah. So so did you did you graduate high school in New York? Sure did. Okay. Yeah. Went to Catholic high school. Um, like I said, the New York Italian mom uh you Know, was responsible for our religious education, so uh, and, and did a lot to make it possible for us to go to Catholic high school, us meaning me and my twin brother. Um, so we we graduated Notre Dame High School in Elmira, New York. It's a solid name, uh, yeah. It's um, you know, they they must have had some interesting legal help, I guess, because the logo is literally the Notre Dame University, <laughs>
1: <right>? <laughs> yeah. Maybe the college doesn't know anything about the high school in uh. Well, maybe it's free marketing. I don't
2: know. Maybe.
1: Maybe. If I'm Notre Dame
0: University, like, yeah, name all the elementary schools you want after me.
2: This was a high school for Mm -hmm. one. Oh. uh, And also they, um, Notre Dame High School in Elmira, New York is, uh, I don't think, much of a threat to Notre Dame University's (laughs) brand. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my graduating class was 48 students. Uh, Wow. Yes, sir. That's tiny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in, uh, in the public schools around there are the same way. Wow. That's weird. Uh I guess it's for me it's weird to think about a big graduating class. Yeah. That's you know? that's a fair point.
1: How many were in yours, Paul? Uh I went to a uh, prep school, 70. Okay. But I would have gone to a school that maybe 3 to 400. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems yeah. to be the norm. Yeah, it's uh especially counties around here. That's how yeah. big the high schools tend yeah. to be. Maybe a little bit bigger in some cases. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's, you know, it's interesting living, now that I live in Richmond, I never realized, uh, even living in Baltimore, I guess I just didn't interact with enough people my age or, I don't know, I don't I don't know what it was, but living in Richmond now, I realize, ha- like, just how rural my
1: um, my upbringing was. Yeah, and the city of Richmond is not a big place. Richmond Metro is not a massive, it's not like Philly or right. even, even Baltimore. Right, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I had a conversation, Daniel, this was, uh, you know this guy we we uh, talked about he. so he likes to hunt and grew up in Arlington and uh, he got made fun of in school or was like weird at school uh, for for hunting and uh, I, I was thinking to myself that's pretty funny because my family didn't hunt and we were like we were the like strange kids cause the only did. ones yeah we were the only ones
1: yeah that's funny so where'd you go to college oh uh,
2: small Jesuit college called Lemoyne in uh, Syracuse, New York spell it Lemoyne is L E uh, M O Y N E. Okay, Lemoyne. And how did you choose that? Capital M. Capital M. Yes, got it. Oh, sorry, I just frank, wanted to throw little, that in there. French action. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a French, there's a, a space in there, and yeah, it's French.
0: There's a space. Yeah. Yeah. Dang.
1: Yeah. The okay. Moyne. I need to update yeah. my you mental dummy. model. <laughs> yeah. I'm such an
2: idiot.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Paul, what did you ask me? Uh, what did I ask you? Why did you choose uh, LeMoyne?
2: Oh, LeMoyne had a strong uh, business program or so, <clears throat> so we perceived it to be. Uh, it, it was um, the, the dean of the school uh, delivered um, a very good marketing speech when we went to, when we went to visit. And um, that we took it really
1: pretty much just based on that. And how far away was it from uh, where you grew up? Hour 45 minutes or so. Okay, so far enough. Far enough, yeah. 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 Did your uh, twin go with you? Sure did. Oh, really? Yeah, go, yeah, yeah, went yeah, Together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were roommates. Is he in Richmond now? He's not. He's in New York City now. Okay, so you guys separated at some point.
2: We did, but not until not until he took this job and I took mine. Oh wow. Yep. We, wow. Uh, yeah, we were together since we were negative. I like to say negative nine months old. <laughs> uh, uh, right up until uh, after college.
1: Wow. That's crazy. I have no concept what for what that's like. I know.
2: Yeah. Oh, as well I'll tell you, it's the freaking best thing that ever happened to me. Really? Absolutely. The g- absolute greatest blessing I ever got in my life. Tell us why. I never had to go into anything and be alone. Uh, uh you know, it's you, you got a built in friend anywhere you go. And uh we just get along so well. We're we're I mean very similar people. Um, and we have we have our differences that that make us work well together, and uh, we're otherwise very similar personality wise, etc. And um, it it was like, I mean, we're we're just best friends. It was like being born knowing who your best friend is. Do you talk to him every day? Sure do. Wow, that's cool. Oh, it's yeah, it's real cool. It's great. I've never even
1: thought about it. About having a maybe twin. I wish I had a twin. And, yeah. you're, and it's fr- he's fraternal. Yes, sir. Or y'all are fraternal together. Uh, yeah, we uh, yeah. Who's better looking?
2: Uh, him by a good long margin. <laughs> he's, <laughs> good answer. He's he's
1: smarter, better looking, and
2: uh, <laughs> and, and uh, better with the ladies.
0: <laughs> Has he been? Uh, is he stuck up there in New York? Uh, is he okay?
2: He's not. He's staying with my mom in Baltimore right now. He's a, he works for a big four accounting firm, and uh, they they have everybody working from home for God knows how long.
1: Yeah, maybe for longer than a year, maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, they're, they have no, nothing on the calendar for everybody to come back in the office.
1: Wow. So did you live in West Virginia at any point? No, sir. Or Grandparents. That, you, uh, okay. Yep. Your dad's side? Yes, sir. That's okay. right. Yep. And so your dad, after your family settled or came through Ellis Island, yep. did they land in the Ithaca area? Uh,
2: no. Or? So the Croatian, uh, my, or my dad's side of the family, uh, you know, both, both Croatians and that was, a. My dad's grandparents, um, came through Ellis Island, uh, and I I believe went straight to West Virginia. Okay. Um, just absolutely destitute, poor, uh, no running water, uh, walked to church on Sundays. They were Croatian Catholics. Um, and his grandfather, uh, worked in a quarry and, uh, got himself, his, got his leg blown off, uh, working with dynamite Mm. and, um. Still walk to church, both ways on Sunday. And the story I'm told, and God knows how true it is, but it was like several miles uphill both ways.
1: Uphill yeah. both ways <laughs> in the snow
2: in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: uh, so it sounds like your great grandfather, your great great grandfather, it's a uh, great 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 grandfather, went from New York to Ellis, I'm sorry, to West Virginia because there was work there. <laughs>
2: That seems to be the case, and the house they lived in
1: was um, provided by the quarry company or the mining company. Okay, so they basically were recruited kind of thing. Once they got close enough to know about that company, that's
2: my understanding.
1: Wow, so yeah, they got- that, that's hard. That that is hard. hard oh living. hell, yeah! And they they had ten kids, mm. my,
2: my granddad being one of them. Uh, and they used to. My dad told told me that he used to love going to his grandparents' house in the summertime because he got to sleep outside. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the time they were sleeping outside. It wasn't a big place, you know, ten kids.
1: Yeah, you had to sleep outside. You couldn't fit all those folks in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've been to West Virginia a few times, and they're some of the finest people on earth, and we don't know how lucky we have it not living uh, that hard of a life. Even now. Even now. Couldn't couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And really, a lot of those, it's interesting to observe that a lot of those same, I mean, the economic situation in upstate New York is fucking horrible. I mean, uh, I, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's it's not good i mean you mm-hmm. know it's not a rich area and a lot of the issues that they have in west virginia are uh, you know identical to what i saw growing up right so um, i mean you know things like uh <clears throat> i mean general unemployment or uh you know underemployment or uh you know things like um like teen pregnancy or uh you know meth labs or you know just kind of all those pitfalls that you know a, a subpar economy does to a, a rural area does all the same stuff in upstate New York. Yeah, it
1: does it across the Midwest and uh, rural parts of the East Coast for yep, sure. Yep, yep. I uh, I don't know what before people started coal mining or just quarrying in, in general. I don't know what attracted folks to West Virginia other than there was just a lot of land to be had, but it was mountainous and it was rough land. I, I guess right. most people that live there can trace their roots back to people being drawn to mining. Mm. Or doing coring. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that West Virginia has a different history.
0: I don't. They do about. have a very rich uh, musical tradition. I don't know if it's tied in with the mining, but the uh, old time music and the yeah, there's some overlap
1: there for sure.
2: Well, and uh, another thing about the you know the like mountainous land is back in the day that that land was cheap. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of poor people ended up just on, mm-hmm. on, you know, that's where they could afford to live because the the good flat arable land would have been,
1: you know, further east. Yeah, and, and people were consolidating that either corporations or uh, people with a lot of means, and 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 a lot of people who couldn't afford to live there got pushed west. I'm sure. Yeah,
0: I've heard of these uh, like mining towns where the mining company has its own currency, and the people live in like your great grandfather mining like mining company supported housing. Uh, was that the situation? Do you know with uh, your great grandparents? The. the- the currency being from the from the like basically right. a complete full-on lock-in with their employer like there there wasn't really an option to leave
2: uh you know i, I really couldn't say i mean w- once y- your dwelling is dependent on your company and y- i mean they couldn't afford to go get anything else and i don't know how credit worthy he was or i mean i don't know what it was like trying to get a mortgage in west virginia in the you know 18 early something. 20th century somewhere yeah yeah uh yeah, I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. They, they, uh, my dad always tells me that they had a store uh, down the street somewhere that he used to go to to get candy. And uh, they could only go to that store because that's what would give him credit for, mm. I mean, I guess it was something else about the mining company that, you know, they could, um, you know, uh, make some connection between his wages and his debts at the store. Right. Um, so then how did your
0: parents end up meeting?
2: At work. Xerox, uh, my dad was uh, worked in Xerox service for 30-some-odd years. And, and uh, my mom, um, she, uh, what was her job? I believe at the time she was working in sales for Xerox. Mm-hmm. So uh, they ended up needing to, uh, I mean, uh, you know, they brushed shoulders at work at some point and got in touch, and that's how they met. Nice. And this is up in New York? This is in Maryland. Maryland? Yes, sir. So uh, after... Uh, after West Virginia, for my grandparents, they they moved to Maryland, Southern Maryland. And my dad uh, uh, grew up in a place called District Heights at a time when, well, and it's really still not that great, but at a time when District Heights was pretty nasty. Uh, this is southwest, or I'm sorry, southeast of Washington, D.C. Hmm. Um, and my mom grew up in uh, PG County, Maryland, a place called Bowie. Yep. Uh, and w- when I was born, we lived in uh, Charles County in a in a town called Waldorf okay so you were you were born in maryland yes sir well oh. washington dc oh in dc yes sir and uh lived in in waldorf maryland until i was uh
1: round two yeah uh Bowie has a double a baseball team i think you're
2: dang right yeah <laughs> you the uh the, the Bowie Bowie bay, bay Sox, Sox yeah. baby come on wait a minute how
1: do you know that because i i maybe have driven to atlantic city more than once in my life and i take 301 to get there
2: oh got it 301
1: yeah, is yeah. a good drive too yeah, it's a, it's a better drive than going 95.
2: Amen. Sure. Well, you go right through Waldorf then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So that's, okay. So I, I kind of knew where you were as a little kid. There you go. When did you guys move to New York?
2: I was about two. Uh, my dad moved us up there for work. Okay. Nice. He was, um, was I I guess I, I don't want to go into too many details about this, but he um was having a hard time uh, getting promotions that he felt he deserved and uh, moved up to New York and things started working out better for him
1: okay yeah well Why? yeah that's a good move you should do that yeah do you consider yourself a new yorker or a marylander
2: i guess somewhere in between we uh you know all of my friends and everything growing up was all in new york but all my family was elsewhere and uh we you know every holiday every vacation every three-day weekend we'd be in either west virginia or maryland nice
1: so the dmv uh, well, <laughs> close <laughs> the DMVW. Uh, I had
0: a question. I forgot. No, oh.
1: hold on, hold on. You're not, we're not walking away from DMV that quickly. <laughs> uh, what do you think DMV stands for? Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. Oh
2: God, damn.
1: Yeah, no, we weren't man. talking about Delaware, were we, Paul? No, no, we weren't. Yeah, I'm trying, man. I just, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, 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 I haven't given you grief <laughs> about U.S. geography in a while, <laughs> so we don't have to stay here very long. But I
0: just, <laughs> I thought I could throw out like a lightweight um acronym and just have you guys play with ag- it for agno- a while. no no just acknowledge like daniel's a valid member of the conversation <laughs> and then we can move on but yeah, had to get hung up on it you are yeah, yeah Dude, uh, for,
2: for the record daniel and i are good buddies
0: yes uh, we and
2: we've known each other for a few years now
0: and you've told me before how hard of a worker your dad is and i'd like you to talk a little bit about that if you don't mind
2: sure my dad well especially when i was real little and we were still in maryland my dad uh got a uh, he was working in service uh as a tech rep for xerox and a uh, technical representative just meaning he went and got his hands dirty working on machines and uh he would do that all day and then come home at night and uh he he had bought himself an ice cream truck at one point so he was you know running his own business the original side hustle yes sir yeah nice yes sir and uh so he would do that until God knows what hour of the night and then come back, count the money, do the books, take inventory and all that kind of stuff and uh, sleep for four or five hours and then do it all again. Wow. Uh, and uh, just was, I mean, incredibly diligent my whole life. You know, I remember every Saturday I'd wake up and he was banging away on his keyboard, you know, running spreadsheets or, you know, crunching numbers, or whatever he had to be doing for work. Uh, and he, he, my dad, um, uh, I'm, I'm real proud of my dad. He came from, uh, you know, his dad didn't have running water, and my dad was a vice president of service for the Northeast for Xerox Corporation.
1: Yeah, he's a, he a Fantastic example for you, right? Oh, yeah.
2: absolutely. He was a good dad, real good, and good example. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, as we mentioned, I met your dad. You two clearly have a good relationship. We do. Yeah, that's great. Thank yeah. you. Thank that's you. That's
0: awesome. So I imagine that you've carried some of that that <laughs> ethic into the. Uh, the line of work that you've chosen to pursue?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! I, I like to think that uh, I, I do justice to my dad's work ethic, and I and I know he's I know he's proud of, of you know what I've been able to arrange so far. But uh, like I said, you know I I think everybody can always do better.
1: Yeah. Yeah the minute you think you can't do better you get lazy and bad things come.
2: Agree. Yeah, and uh you know <clears throat> I'm I'm at a point uh, with my company and my career now that I'm I uh, I've got uh, I I you know was given my first promotion last year uh last winter kind of fall time and um you know I'm starting to take on more responsibility and uh you know I think you know grow I, the story is growth, I guess. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, today, for example, today I just had, uh, my first actual role in a pitch, um, mm. talking to a company, uh, out of New Jersey. Um, and you know, they, they, they just gave me some kind of financial slides, uh, overview to walk the client through, but, uh, you know, it was a big deal to me and it's, it's the first time I've ever been allowed to do that. So, uh, yeah, you're learning. I, I definitely am. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I I do my best to stay hungry, I guess. And, uh, Mm. and you know, and like I said, do justice to, uh, to, to, um, you know, my progenitors.
0: Mm. Are are there any other role models that you look up to? (laughs) Not necessarily family, but generally.
2: Sure. My mom, uh, and you know, something that, uh, something that I think about often is, you know, this, this doesn't have to do with career anymore, but family and, um, my mom stayed home, like I said to you earlier, and uh, it's uh, that has colored my view of what I want my family to be like. I guess I want to be around enough that I can get to games like my dad did, and um, you know, I want. Ideally, I, I want my wife to stay home and uh, have her job be make good people, and uh, I, you know, the uh, everybody says this and is kind of getting hackneyed now, but I, I think that. Stay-at-home moms aren't given enough credit, and uh, I think that they have the the most important job in society. Uh, So anyways, I I look up to my mom. My mom is my role model in the sense that she was able to hold a lot of shit together at the same time between the house and uh, some various other things she was doing. Like she started a community center in our small town. Mm. Uh, She held together everything at home. She dealt with my dad's shit and uh, dealt with our shit. And, um, (laughs) you know, I I uh, just—we were never— lacking for love in our house i guess mm-hmm.
0: yeah i remember her telling me a story of of uh, going door to door um in baltimore in uh one of those those little cute little uh districts and just trying to sell something to the people in that store and i remember thinking if i had to do something like that i just i would just die of anxiety dude she's incredible
2: that. she's incredible and uh, really like any like door knock and pavement pounding salesperson is incredible just from the balls that they have. Yeah. Uh, and my mom's good at it, too. So it's like, you know, it's extra impressive. Yeah. What's she doing now? She's still working in sales. She works for uh, Canon. And she, uh, you know, copiers are what she knows from back in the day. And, and uh, she sells, uh, you know, copiers, equipment, and uh, software. So she's still a baller. She's still a damn baller, man. Yeah, nice. And, uh, yep.
0: and she's got a cat, two cats. A cat. A cat. A cat.
2: Yeah. What's yeah, his yeah.
0: name?
1: Uh, her name is Talia. Gosh, I'm missing everything. But,
2: that's all right, dude. Swing and a miss, baby. But you know what? We call her Tally.
1: Tally, that's of, yeah. right. And your mom's not a cat lady because I think the rule is you have to have three or more to be a cat lady. That's right. I guess she's not a cat lady, but she spoils this cat enough that you would think she is. Ah, uh, gotcha. Mm. Yeah,
2: it's like I think she maybe like wanted one more kid and uh, just ended up with this cat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so.
1: Yeah, uh, your point around uh, stay-at-home moms and having really tough jobs, yeah. my- My wife stayed at home for a while, and there would be times where I would she would have to go do something else. She would go see friends out of town or whatever, and I had to be dad for a couple of days. Sure. And I'm like, oh, this is brutal. This is so hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, And she was doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So shout Mm -hmm. out to every uh, Mm -hmm. mom out there for sure. We love you. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to my mom, too, because she had to raise my sister and me god love her <laughs> so l- let's wildly switch topics here uh, i'm not trying
0: to be intentional about anything here but so you're putting together uh a firearm in order to go hog hunting so for, let's um, t- t- talk to us first about the hog hunting scene in the u.s
2: yeah I, and look i'm not an expert but i'll tell you what i know about it is that hogs are an invasive species uh, particularly in the southeast um i guess in south central as well like in texas and uh you know, you can, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, you can sign up to, uh, I mean, usually go hog hunting for free on farmer's property who, uh, you know, hogs are tearing up their crops or whatever, or terrorizing animals or, you know, if they, if you get, uh, my understanding is that an aggressive hog can like kill a pet or, you know, hurt it. And uh, so anyway, they just tear shit up and people want them going. So you, I mean, you can shoot at them from helicopters. You can do. I mean, you can put. I know, I know, I know, dude. It's, it's
1: extreme a, hog hunting, hog yeah. genocide, man.
2: And uh, you, I mean, you can put out feed for them and just wait till they all come over. And like, you can
1: just super cheat. To,
2: yeah, to do whatever you
0: need to do mm, to attract yeah. them in. Well, you're yeah. the predator, right? And yeah. They're invasive because they lack a natural predator.
1: Yeah, and I like bacon, dude.
0: <laughs> oh, do you get to take home uh, what you kill?
1: Sure, you need them,
2: yeah.
0: Okay. Is yep. it
1: the same as uh, domestically raised? I've heard that
2: it's I a little was. bit different, but it's still pretty tasty. Yeah, I can so imagine.
0: Probably a little bit more muscular
1: and less uh, fatty. <laughs>
2: a little sinewy. A little uh, sinewy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that how you say that?
1: Sinewy. Oh my gosh, you too. Sinewy. Sinewy. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, you know, you're you going to should... give us the Egyptian pronunciation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you turd. Well, you should never make fun of somebody. Here's here's something. Uh, this is you might see this on your Instagram. You should never make fun of somebody for mispronouncing a word because it means that they learned it by reading. Oh. Reading. Ah.
1: And we all know that Paul's not a reading man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not much of a reader. Yeah. Two, sil- I- two syllables is my max. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, yeah, you know, and I'm not either. And I, I, I keep trying to read books and it just... Uh, it know. just
1: doesn't stick, dude. No. It just
2: Although Daniel just got me a copy of Anna Karenina. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see I saw it.
0: that in a store. I, I don't know why it reminded me of you. I just thought Johnny would love this. Dude,
2: you know that I, I'm a risky literature is, uh, you know, up in my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. He anyway, you agree. can hunt hogs pretty much any way, dude. And uh, I'm building an AR-10 chambered in 3. Well, I think it's going to be chambered in 308. I'm still looking at 6.5 Creedmoor. But anyway, um, I. You decided I, uh, to
0: build a gun specifically Because you already have other firearms. Uh, that's
2: right yeah
0: <clears throat> so what about this one's different
2: uh so this i mean you know it's it's a freaking clobbering cartridge the 308 uh and um, what is
0: can you break down what the 308 means for non-initiated
2: yeah i mean it's a full si- it's a what you call a full-size cartridge so if you think about like the scary ar-15 god i'm getting political here if you think about the ar-15 <laughs> uh chambered in you know t- 223 or 556 uh nato is you know it's freaking probably the, at least three length, or four th-
1: it's tiny it's, not it's tiny big, yeah, it's not a big bullet
2: yeah so it's probably at least i mean the bullet itself is probably like oh, i don't know what's a what's an ar round like 55 grain and then a yeah. 308 round is what like i don't know 120 or something it's not small anyway, and so i've never a grain bought, is
0: a unit of measurement
2: oh uh, yeah it's weight
0: Weight, okay. So, uh,
2: yeah, the I mean, the 308 round is a good bit bigger than the AR-15 uh, 5.56 or 223 round, so uh, it's enough to take down a much larger animal.
0: Are the numbers like 308, 223, 506 also weight-related?
2: Uh, well, th- those are um, circumference or diameter measurements. 5.56 5. millil- uh, millimeters, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, and then .308 inches?
2: That's right, and two two three, same thing. It's, it's uh, you know,
1: inches. Okay. You call. Love it. The 308 is... Uh seven six yeah, two? S- yeah. Seven six two NATO, yes sir. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I, I remember that three oh three oh eight or yeah, three oh eight and seven six two are interchangeable.
2: 'Cause your so, uh, your roommate has a foul.
0: He does. Yeah. <laughs> uh so um you the three oh eight is has a bigger it's a fat bullet.
2: Yeah, it's it's I mean it's fat and it's uh you know it's it's long too. It's it's a big bullet. It's a, a powerful cartridge. It's, it's, yeah. it's bigger in every
0: way. Yeah. Sort of. And two, two, three. when you have wild animals running at you, it's the kind of
1: bullet you want. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm guessing it has better stopping power. For yeah. sure. So,
0: yeah. and is there an element of personal danger when you hunt hogs? Like, could they, could they uh, hurt you? Do you need to bring a, a commando knife in case they get your gun or something like that? Uh,
2: you know, uh, I haven't heard of them seizing weapons from people, <laughs> but... Uh, I, their they, wolves
1: aren't very uh, adept at I just, that sort of thing. If, it, no. if it's close quarters, you know... I think you're you throwing might elbows buck and nine punches. Maybe.
2: Well, if you're clearing rooms with hogs in there, maybe you bring one. But <laughs> yeah. apart yeah. from that, if, I think...
1: Yeah, if you're surrounded by walls <laughs> and you're accompanied by lots of hogs, yes. Yeah. You,
0: I'm just... Maybe you guys don't appreciate how quickly a hog can close a distance.
1: Do you know something we don't
0: know? No, I'm just...
2: People do bring pistols, man. I mean, you, you're... The conventional wisdom suggests that you should have a pistol with you in case, uh, you know, you get a jam or something and one's charging you. Because, I mean, they will hurt you. They're, they're big and powerful and they got tusks and shit, so. Yeah. How much do they weigh? Oh, hell, I don't know. I, like I half like, a ton? Are they that big? I feel like uh, maybe like six,
1: 800 pounds yeah, or something right. is a big one. Yeah. And so But, the, I
2: mean, I'm, uh, for the record, I'm talking out of my ass. I don't know the actual...
1: It's okay. You're an Wait expert among us three. D- Daniel and I talk out of
0: our asses all the time. <laughs> okay, good. It's like, I still don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. But, so you didn't hunt when you were a kid, and no. now, now you've decided uh, to go, do ho- go chase hogs. Um, yeah. So what's the, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what drew you to hunting having not done it as, as a kid?
2: I guess, uh, you know, thinking, thinking back, it feels like I missed out on something, I guess. Uh, all my buddies did it and there'd be, I mean, you know, you go over like, uh, you know, to the kids houses who I grew up with and there was deer hanging from the, you know, from the porch or whatever, all cut open, bleeding into a bucket and everything. And, you know, the dogs are all running around excited about it and shit. It's a, it's a whole culture thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I've been getting in touch with, in touch with my countryside, I guess, since living in the city, ironically. And, uh, you know, I just, I feel like being in the woods a little bit, I guess.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert?
2: Introvert easily. Yes, sir.
1: I think introverts are attracted to uh, spending quality alone time in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. We had a hunter
0: on on the show uh, a while ago, and... I asked him is not nice we can say
1: his name Andrew Malk. Yes. <clears throat>
0: Andrew if you're he'll,
1: listening, he'll I'm love surprised. This. Yeah. He will listen to this entire Johnny episode because I'll tell him we said his name.
2: Andrew, don't make fun of me if I got the weight of the hog wrong, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Andrew
1: will be checking for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. I was I'm asking I'm embarrassed. I
0: asked, I asked him, uh, you know, isn't it nice to get out and just escape from like the world and be in nature and technology and just be mindful? And then he said, yeah, actually, I'm checking my phone all the time when I'm up in the, in the street stand.
1: <laughs> and sometimes he even missed the deer. He didn't even see it. <laughs> like a deer would go by from like 20 feet away. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and,
2: I, and I feel like I'd have a harder time um, shooting a deer compared to a hog because a hog feels like, a, it seems like they're just assholes.
1: They're, they do seem like assholes, and they don't have a natural predator, which I learned t- tonight, other than man. Well, they right. pro-
0: maybe like coyotes or other things that also prey on children that we th- therefore eliminated
1: yeah, well, I, I don't or like, mountain
0: lions probably right, right. chisel hogs.
1: Chisel
2: hogs, huh?
0: Sorry,
1: what's a chisel hog? <laughs> don't be a freak, dude.
2: What is, is this thing close? Is this back to chiseling? No, you're doing great, the dude. Chiseling crap with yeah, that. Yeah, it's stuff chiseling. We're about? You,
0: it's a verb. But you said chisel hog. Yeah, no mountain lions chisel hogs. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. I don't
2: want to talk about chiseling.
0: All right, let's not let's not go there.
2: <laughs> Paul, This look at this millennial,
1: dude. <laughs> Can't stand him. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny yeah well so we kind of uh so just blew by the whole he's making a gun
0: yeah yeah oh yeah let's talk about that
2: yeah man uh so yeah i'm i'm building an ar-10 and it's going to be in that flat dark earth that tan color okay you know what i'm saying uh i'm so i'm pretty excited about the way it's looking it's uh so right now i've got the the receivers together i've got a bulk carrier grip fire control group and everything i still need a stock barrel gas tube and a hand guard so where are you so, getting the parts from? Uh, some parts come from online, and some from Green Top. Okay. And Green Top is awesome for anybody that doesn't know what Green Top is, man. Uh,
1: it's a if you if you're a hunter and you l- like guns uh, and you're on the East Coast, you know what Green Top is. This episode is sponsored is it- by. I know Green <laughs> Top. <laughs> they don't need it. They- Cough it me, up, they, boys. They, they, yeah. Uh,
2: Anyway, yeah, I'll talk to them, dude. And, <laughs> yeah. no, dude, they they have everything. They, I mean, you you go in and you want like they had a an AR ten three hundred eight charging handle that I bought, just I mean, which is an yeah. obscure part. Uh, I mean, sort of obscure. I mean, but you can buy everything down. Like I feel like you can get everything down to pins in there mm. or springs or whatever. I mean, like they just have everything. It's awesome.
0: So uh, the 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 framework, the Armalite, like what AR stands for is Armalite rifle, right. and from what I understand, it's it's a framework that allows people to put guns together like Lego parts. You, you, things are There's a very standardized uh, specification, and things are very interchangeable. Uh, even from different companies, you can put together a gun.
2: That's true of the AR-15 platform, uh, chambered in 5.56 NATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, the .308 um, AR-10 uh, apparently is not so much that way, and I'm learning that the hard way because... You have to be very careful about getting parts that fit with each other. Uh, and mm-hmm. a lot of times it's got to be like they they highly recommend they, I don't know who they is, but it's highly <laughs> recommended that you get uh, receivers, for example, receivers that are from the same company so that they fit flush. Mm.
0: Because uh, there's a lot of uh, stress that happens to a gun when bullets are fired in it. I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of, uh, you're literally exploding a little thing every time you shoot a bullet. A little thing,
2: man. And, uh, yeah, no, and it's uh, (laughs) a little bomb. I mean, look, and you don't, you don't want play. I mean, you don't want like too much play between your upper and lower receiver when you're trying to shoot. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I guess apart from accuracy, you you know, it just, I don't know if there's a state. I I honestly don't know if there's a safety concern with that issue or not. But anyway, Mm -hmm. there's parts that don't fit each other, uh, across the different manufacturers in the 308 or AR10 space.
0: Yeah. Um, is there anything that putting a gun together has taught you? that uh you had a misconception about beforehand
2: um no but it's really fun <laughs> no, i, <laughs> so love it, I learned about how fun it was i mean <laughs> yeah. and you know it's it uh, you know this think about like a car guy and he likes to sit in his garage and dick with his car and uh, make it loud or make it quiet or mm. make it do this or that thing or make it look different uh you know you can do the same thing with with this type of gun Uh, And just like the mechanical aspect of seeing how everything fits together and taking it from springs and pins and, you know, uh, just pieces of metal, really, uh, to making it look like a a gun
1: is really exciting to me. And how much longer do you think you have before it's functional?
2: Uh, The the question is not time. It's more a question of money. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean. You know, I think all up and all in, like pre-optic, when I have it done, it's going to be probably like a $1,500 gun. Pre-optic and with the optic, another... I mean, at least another few hundred dollars. Yeah. I guess I haven't decided what all I'm going to do about it yet. And I'm still learning about optics. Um, so. 2G. 2G Two, we'll G.
1: two, two G at least. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of time.
2: And, you know, uh, a good amount of time, but uh, time well spent.
1: Yeah, you're enjoying it.
2: Very much yeah, so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah
1: thank you very cool so are you gonna go uh, get a hog with it
2: i'm gonna try to i had a plan i had a place picked out or, or i had a prospect i guess i should say of uh somebody who was um in need of people to help with a hog issue on his property but uh it, it looks like that line has broken so uh if you know anybody who's uh who, who you know where has, wh- where was it where was the prospect uh this was around charleston south carolina
1: okay
0: so to That's all our faithful listeners, if, if you know of anybody that has invasive hogs in their property, or invasive anything else, for that matter... Go
1: to podso1.io and talk to us. Please, yeah. God, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh,
1: <laughs> Or honestly, if, if, just as a quick
2: announcement, like if you have property in Virginia or elsewhere uh, where, you know, maybe somebody wants to go shoot their new gun or something like that, please, uh, you know... Um, Holler at me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it would be compensated, too. I mean, we...
2: I would not pay a dime for it, but...
0: <laughs> no, I would. I'll pay for Johnny Daniel, to go yeah. shoot on your land. Thanks, dude. Yeah, I got you, man. Dude. All right, so <clears throat> let's talk about these exams, this series of exams that, uh, yeah, that you're taking brutal. to, uh, in order to become a CFA, <laughs> which stands for uh, Chicken Fried Asshole. Asparagus. You, Dan-
2: Asparagus, asparagus, man. Asparagus. That actually, yeah. holy shit. Chicken fried asparagus, yeah. Is that is that actually real? No. But I'm probably. probably. You might, it I mean, actually probably is. Daniel, can you look that up while I talk to Paul for a minute?
1: <laughs> ah, Paul's on <laughs> his phone already. Okay. No, 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 I'm, I'm
2: looking yeah. up. Uh, Johnny, the, you look it up. I, I, I'm the guest, dude. The I can't guest. be That's on true. my phone.
1: We can't He's, do that to Johnny. I'm no, sorry. No, well, it's disrespectful ep, if ep- I'm on my episode phone. Episode 11. We'll hook you up with episode 11. Uh, allow Andrew me to apologize. Thank you. And he he probably has some answers for you.
2: Andrew, please God, man. Give me a call.
1: Yeah. yeah, Andrew's uh, a connection. Oh, he's He'll definitely listening now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh. Yeah. The CFA exams. It's, it stands for uh, the uh, Chartered Financial Analyst program. Uh, yeah. And it. Uh, you have to be careful about how you talk to it, how, how you um talk about it because there, uh, there are some sort of stringent guidelines for how you're allowed to use, um, the name CFA. Uh, like one of the ethics rules is that you can't um. You know, if you're if you're writing your name on a some kind of professional form or something, you can't underline or hyphenate or make bold uh, the CFA letters. Hmm. They have to be in the same exact text as your name. Wow! Just for example, I mean, th- so that's how like that's how much uh, I guess they care about how you use the name. So Seems they don't, very particular. They
0: don't want people putting "I'm a CFA" and making it big and and like green in comic sans. And and,
2: and you're not allowed to say "I am a CFA." You can only say I am a CFA charter holder.
0: That's or you, could you just put the three letters after your uh, name? You could. Okay. Yeah,
2: that's that's fine. It's, but it's got to be in the same text,
0: in the same font and everything.
2: Same font, same. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. So, uh, wh- what is the motivation to get this chartered financial analyst status, yeah, charterhood?
2: Yeah the the original motivation for me um, was working on breaking into investment banking and I thought it'd be. Uh, something worth having, having not come from a target school. A target school meaning a, uh, you know, a Princeton or a Harvard or a Stanford. Uh, uh you know,
0: just where, where they recruit all their rookies.
2: Yeah, I was just, I mean, just places where, where all the the banks will do their own campus recruiting. You know, no, no investment banker is coming to LeMoyne College in Syracuse, New York, to do recruiting. Um, so you know, you when you when you come from a background like mine, you kind of have to backdoor it a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
2: the CFA exam or or a designation, I should say, was um, part of the plan to get in. Okay.
0: And you're in the industry working right now. Yes, sir. Uh, But you're, you're still chasing it down. Uh, you've taken one of the exams. Two. Uh, two now. And how many are there total? Three. Okay. One more. And so what is the body of knowledge that becoming CFA
2: provides? Uh, it... it the body of knowledge itself or the exam material varies, uh, between the different levels you know, there's levels one, two, and three, obviously. So, uh, you know, level one is more about, uh, just being able to use formulas and, uh, you know, use your noggin to think through, uh, sort of, um, one dimensional financial statistical economic problems, uh, level two, you know, it becomes a little more, Um, uh, there's a little more depth, I guess, and you may be presented with something, uh, you know, in an, in, in a, you know, let's say it's, you're looking at a equity valuation issue, but you also need to know something about accounting to, to, to figure it out, or you have to make adjustments to the financials you're given before it makes sense. Or anyway, the, but
0: you have to draw on like multiple dis- disciplines or areas to. Yes.
2: And all, all I'm saying is that it's it, the levels become increasingly more multidimensional uh, until you're equipped to understand or learn through most financial issues uh, that you'd run. I mean, and not financial as in like what credit card should I get or something, um, more of, a, you know, theoretical or. Um, practical issues you'd run into in the professional finance world
0: so is it equipping you for example to look to look at a company uh and look at its details and say Uh this company will make money or this company
2: won't uh uh, well when when you figure out how to do that or when i figure out how to do that i'll give you a call (laughs) we can automate my trading strategy and we'll become (laughs) fucking bazillioners uh but until then um it's i mean look that's that's part of the idea yeah uh you're supposed to be able to um you know intelligently perform a fundamental analysis of a company uh, make projection and make intelligent projections that are informed by um historical and future data and uh you know make value or cash flow um estimates really yeah. but it's you know it's never anything more than
1: an estimate obviously in this world and yeah. if you're accurate 65 70% of the time within 5% of what you predicted, you're doing really, really well. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, and the, so,
0: yeah. the difference between having a Lemoyne College grad and a Lemoyne College grad with the CFA uh, charterhood in the room is. Uh, charter holder. Mm-hmm. Whoa, okay. Ch- charterhood is that one or two words? It's one word. It's okay. like. like uh, you're in the
2: hood, baby.
1: But, uh, it's like, it's like <laughs>
0: neighborhood. It's like, uh, no, no, no.
1: Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Don't be a dork. It's, like, it's like a neighborhood it, that only charter holders <laughs> live in.
0: No, I'm trying to think of uh, um, another word that ends. Come on, in hood. come on, try getting it out. I'm really trying, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's probably not worth it. Livelihood. Try getting it out. Yeah, come livelihood. On. is probably getting closer.
0: No, it's an adjective. It's or it's a noun. It's. Uh, uh, it's not coming. That's all right. It'll it'll come to. You. I will. Uh, I'll burst out with it in the middle of the conversation. Yes, please right. do.
2: You're Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) see i can't even keep up with johnny dude dude yeah i'm
2: slow as shit yeah uh the difference between a lemoyne college grad with and without the charter uh is meaningful yeah uh it it really depends on where you're at too uh my firm um places you know a lot of emphasis on professional designations like that and the cfa um you know the cfa charter is meaningful there uh at a place like, you know, your Goldman's or your JP Morgan's or Morgan Stanley's or uh you know, Perella Weinberg or any any other um like extraordinarily highly reputable um what they call bulge bracket or elite bank, uh you know, it's it doesn't mean much to them because they're just gonna they they would rather have the Harvard grad than this the Lemoyne grad with the C F A.
1: Mm. Yeah. How hard was the uh, first test or exam?
2: The first exam um, was stressful but not difficult. I think.
1: Did you uh, Did you know that going into it that it wasn't going to be that hard?
2: No, um, it's when you're in the moment, it feels hard as hell because you're. It's you know, it's six months of studying, writing on one exam where you go in and I mean, it's it's. All up and all in, it's like eight hours of ass in seat exam taking. Like and like four hours, then a break, and then four hours. It's three and three, but all the time you got to spend in the room getting the fucking rules read—not yeah. fucking—but getting yeah. the rules read at you, and uh, you know, just the entire pomp and circumstance around it. It's mm. it's a full day of misery. Yeah, it sounds miserable. And it's uh when you go in. I took my first one in National Harbor in uh, in Washington D.C. Uh-huh. I, I guess that's. Um, actually, PG County, Maryland. It's Maryland, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you, uh, this is at the Gaylord Hotel, and in the bottom, like sort of basement level, they've got this enormous, like airplane hangar size. Yeah, it's huge. White room. Yeah, and it's all it's all white. Everything. Yeah, and uh, it feels like being in like a Soviet era <laughs> biological experiment or something. Because <laughs> you go you go in and there there's a guy standing at the front, and he's got a microphone because there's about sixty thousand other people behind you taking it and uh i'm I'm exaggerating there's a lot of people though it's i mean a full airplane hanger of people it's huge man so uh and and he gets up at the podium and he starts telling you like all this kind of weird shit and saying uh like you're you're now uh subject to the jurisdiction of the cfa institute and you're like oh god what is he gonna do to me you're like but anyway, it sounds like a
1: cult almost. It's weird, <laughs> man.
2: It's real weird. So, uh, but it's extraordinarily uncomfortable to do, and I'm glad that level one is over. Level two was not so bad in Richmond. You do it in like a hotel uh, banquet room.
1: Mm.
0: You don't need a huge initiation for that.
2: No, it was way more relaxed too. It was a, uh, it was a better experience. Yeah. Mm. But level two was freaking hard as shit. It's horrible.
0: And what do you think level three is going to be like? Hard as shit and
2: horrible. All
1: right.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it um people. You, the debate is between level two and three about which is hardest. Uh, level one is generally a rehash of what you learn in undergrad finance school. Oh, okay. And three compared to one, you think is just like otherworldly kind of difference. Two compared to one is otherworldly. Wow. Yeah. Uh, two is um, two is kind of heavier emphasis on modeling and valuation, uh, and three is more emphasis on portfolio management, mm. uh, which, ironically, I don't do any of. Um, but, you know, to get the charter, you got to take it. So mm. no practical
1: application before you take the test? Uh,
2: not for me in the, yeah. in the field of, of work that I'm in right now. But, you know, things, things change, and I, I, I don't, I, I've never thought that I would regret going through it with all three levels, taking it, getting the charter. And, uh, mm. you know, it's like it's, the body of knowledge, honestly, is more or less the equivalent of, like, a master's degree in finance, mm. except you have to teach it all to yourself, uh, and it's a lot cheaper. So. Yeah. A ton, yeah. a ton cheaper. A ton cheaper. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that it's uh, something that anybody who is working or aspires to work in the finance industry, I mean, I, I don't see it being useless to anybody.
1: Mm. And, yeah. And they, unless they went to Harvard and had the money to get a Harvard MBA or Stanford or. Yeah, but something if that's
2: like you, that. you're a dork. <laughs> so, no, I mean, but I, st- I still think that they would learn. I, I think that they would uh, benefit just intrinsically from the learning you do in the in the CFA curriculum, uh, you know, in addition to whatever they learned in their fancy school.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Can only help. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like. Hey, so uh, we're transitioned to the banjo. How'd you pick that up? I picked up the banjo after I saw Willie Nelson live with my
2: dad. How uh, long ago this, was that? This was in, uh, I want to say, 2013 t- or 14. Yeah, he's still doing it too, right? He is, man. He's like four million years old. He is
1: not young no, at all.
2: No, and uh, he's. I, I, I hope this doesn't age poorly, but he doesn't look that good or sound that good anymore.
1: It happens, right? As you get older, your voice goes, and yeah, yeah.
2: But he was still holding on to it when we saw him. And uh, but anyway, they the opening act was Allison Krauss and Union Station. Oh come and on, God Almighty! I couldn't believe that they were opening Ooh. for somebody uh so only
1: only willie can get them to open yeah yeah <laughs> yeah willie's the so, only one
2: yeah um
1: oh you're lucky to see that
2: yeah yeah uh i mean if we'd have gone out and that was the only thing we saw i'd have been more than happy of course uh and i didn't know about them at the time are they still together i think they i, th- are. I think they at least play together yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah i don't know um but i mean i'd, I'd go see him again if you want to go
1: heck yeah i guess yeah so. yeah. yeah let's do it
2: uh yeah so anyway Ron Block on the banjo man tearing that sucker up and I yep. said this is uh this this is it and that was the itch and I think maybe uh two, maybe two years later after that year or two after that I went and uh, bought myself my first banjo nice
1: so 2015 2016 you picked it up 15 yep. and you're self-taught yes sir so did you play by ear
2: um by ear and by computer okay yeah
1: by
0: YouTube YouTube a is a lot of uh yeah yeah and, and there are different styles of banjo too there are uh,
2: different styles so which ones
0: Yeah, you know,
2: talk us through them. I'll, I'll talk you through them, man there's uh well look I, there's um banjo snobs out there that'll tell you that there's more than two kinds but i'm going to tell you there's two kinds there's old time uh style of banjo and bluegrass style banjo uh and I'm, I'm generalizing but bluegrass style banjo you play with three fingers your your thumb your index your middle finger you wear picks on them and you play um arpeggios and fast notes uh, in the sort of typical like Earl Scruggs style of banjo that you hear um when, you know when so that you think of when somebody says banjo mm-hmm. uh, old time style banjo is um more muted, more mellow uh it 's quieter, less obnoxious, and it 's horrible uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it 's not I, I I like both but anyway it 's uh it the the main um sort of technique is called claw hammer uh which involves the the hammer part being the back of your nail on either your first or second finger um you know kind of striking down hammering down on on the string and uh, the claw part is your thumb drones on
1: uh, a high fifth string Mm. so thumbs dedicated just to the fifth string
2: uh that's a generally yes but uh, there's a technique called drop thumb where you drop your thumb down onto other strings as well
1: but you've got to have a lot of time with the banjo to be able to perfect that
2: Um, it's, it's harder than a regular, like what you call bum diddy, uh,
1: claw hammer sort of plan, but it's, uh, it's not the hardest thing ever to do. Uh, you play with Daniel plenty of times. Does Daniel change instruments all the time? Daniel, uh, Daniel plays a little bit of everything, man.
0: Yeah. I'm a serial monogamist.
1: No, I don't think that's what you meant to say. Maybe... Serial cheater, maybe.
2: Yeah, po- po- polygamist.
1: Yeah, Ooh, polygamist is yeah, the word. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't like the Musical way that polygamist? sounds. Musical polygamist. Let's uh. Well, just to run be- that back. Virginia, <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> with, with instruments. With instruments. Yeah. So yeah.
0: yes, yeah. No, we played. Uh, we played at the farmers market. South of James Farmers Market is probably where the bulk of our time together has been. Right. Um. And it's just some of the best times I think I've ever had. Those Saturday mornings. Um,
1: that's going to happen again, right?
0: At some point? Yeah, the the market's happening, I think. uh, I haven't really inquired as to us playing Oh, I can't wait for it to open up. But yeah, no, it's just getting out there at 7.30 and and with the cool morning air and uh, playing and having kids dance to us playing. Yeah. Just some of the best stuff.
2: Can't beat it with a stick, baby.
0: Yeah, really. So I've been
1: been there once and Daniel, you were playing and you were there with a, a guy with a really big white beard. Bobby Joe. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Joe. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: yeah. Bobby, Bobby Joe's
0: Joe, a, he's a, uh, a chaplain at a local prison. or That's what he tells me. And he goes and he helps people come to Jesus and find their recovery. And uh, Saturday mornings, once a month, he's out there playing, and he puts out a bunch of crappy instruments, and the kids come up. And they, and they love they it. They just play. A, yeah, they love it. And he's always like, great job. And he switches songs halfway through, switches keys. Makes up lyrics. It, it's it's pretty fun to try to follow him. Just like try to make it sound good.
1: All right. So what we owe you as one of our guests is getting you a place to uh, shoot your gun that you're making. Yep. All right. Yep. I think and, we can uh, do that. Yeah. And, somebody and plays royalties. Mandolin. And oh, royalties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need a mandolin player? Yes, sir. I don't think I can help you with that. Okay. I yeah. love the mandolin. We might line. have. I we don't do know. Too. You you would have better access to a mandolin player than I
0: would. Yeah. Uh, listeners. If you know any mandolin players, <laughs>
1: go to podso1.io, and the, you would need them in uh, the Richmond area.
2: Uh, yeah. Although I mean, like we'll we'll track a little bit.
1: You could do it virtually, I guess. We could for do a while. it
2: virtually, go social distance uh, mandolin. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Coronavirus.
1: Nice. nice. Well,
0: cool. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I I think that's pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, man. It's an so, hour a, hour and half. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I just bloviate for an hour and a half? You didn't. It was all of us bloviating, dude. Okay. <laughs> it's a yeah, huge right. word. Uh, no, that's not a huge word for you. For me, it's a huge word. <clears throat> for me, it's a huge word. Is, that's, yeah. a, that's the top shelf word. that I, yeah, That's I mean. as big as I go. It's more than, two, it's more than two syllables, so Which it's bigger. Is, yeah. I mean, there are exceptions to my two-syllable thing. God almighty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh, dude it's been I, so great to talk to you and and hear your story there's stuff I didn't know about you that that I learned today so
1: Yeah we um, love it when that happens.
2: Hey uh yeah. well I'm I'm sorry to hear that. It's uh, I'll I'll do my best uh, to re- you know help you repress the memory. I won't bring it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I appreciate y'all having me man and uh you know it's I guess I just I see myself as pretty unremarkable so to have two guys ask you to come
1: <laughs> nah, to dude. come
2: talk for this long is a uh, you know it's a real treat.
1: One thing I learned about you and, and I uh, echo the fact that it's a treat because it's a treat for us every time we have somebody on. Yep. But your your wit is really quick. You
2: think so? so? Oh my gosh. Oh man. man. Yeah. That's a well. It's it, it's not true, but I appreciate it nonetheless. I'll do my best to accept it with grace. Yeah, it's yeah. all good, man. No, we glad we could have you on. Well, much appreciate, man. I, I was I was glad to be here.
0: All right. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.